Thanks for checking out the Brad and John Show podcast. This segment of the show is brought to you by John Combest's book, Stalking, Harassment, Internet Trolling, A Guide to Recovering and Rebuilding After Online Attacks. It's a great reference if you've ever been the unfortunate target of a social media attack. It's available on Amazon. Just search John Combest. That's C-O-M-B-E-S-T. John Combest, and the book will show up in your search results. Now it's time for another segment of the Brad and John Show. Can you handle it? Yes, it's me, Egbert. As the new owner of this station, I want to make sure we have the best talent on the air. That's why I've decided to ban all real estate agents and only have real talkers like Brad and John. Here they are, B and J. You Once know, again, the pressure's oh on my Brad God, I screwed up. <laughs> Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. Anything he's seen before. <laughs> right. What you there, John? Okay. I'm here. Okay. It's like we're, it's it's like we're doing a little bit of a here. remix. Like, I hope, hope, hold on a minute. Yeah, hold on a minute. <laughs> okay. I got to turn this down. Uh, you know what? We did this again the other day. I hate to do this. But you know what? It's reboot time. Once again, the pressure. Hey, it, it, on it's, it's just the remix. We do a reboot of the remix. No, here we go. I got I got technical problems here this morning. Okay, it's 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 reboot time. <laughs> yes, it's me. Takes you back to your As DJ. the new owner of this station, I want to make sure we have the best talent on the air. That's why I've decided to ban all real estate agents and only have real talkers like Brad and John. Here they are, B and J. Okay, this is much better. <laughs> it's a whole technical issue, which I won't bore you with. But it's about, I will admit, it's probably about 85% operator error and about 15% computer issue. But maybe it might even be 95% operator error. But, you know, I'm just not going to blame myself. Yeah, you I can't. Am. And you know what? You might need a little something that's going to be in our number three headline today. But go ahead, Brad. Okay. That's John Combest, C-O-M-B-E-S-T. He runs a website. He's done it for 22-plus years every single day. He chronicles what's going on in the state as far as uh, the news items are concerned. He scours newspapers, radio stations, TV stations, all sorts of different stuff. Their websites, and he puts all those links on johncombest.com. And every morning we review what he says are the top three stories as far as the state of Missouri is concerned. And here is John with number three. To get through some of those technical difficulties, Brad, you might need a little bit of help from psilocybin. Yes, magic mushrooms. It was it was contentious this morning, Brad, of what makes the cut at number three. But but like the cliche goes, when you're faced with two interesting choices, always do the most interesting thing. So we went with psilocybin today. And the idea is that state legislators are discussing creating a bit of a pilot program where the, the state Department of Health and Senior Services would grant $2 million to an institute in Missouri, or working with the with a veterans hospital, to fund psilocybin, aka magic mushroom treatment, for military veterans who are dealing with PTSD. The legislation is sponsored by State Rep. Aaron McMullen, who's out of Independence, and there are, of course, folks who would like this legislation to go much, much further. But the idea is just kind of uh, tip of the mushroom. I guess you could say, just try the tip of the mushroom. John, and if it's hey, this is a classic example of uh, of I reading the tea leaves. What you're saying, and pardon my pun there, uh, this is a classic example of incrementalism. Absolutely, <laughs> and you know what? I think proponents 
and opponents would say this is an example of incrementalism. Because they're going to say, hey, uh, you know what? We're going to try this on it. Because, it's just for veterans. Right, and it's for PTSD. So you're thinking to myself, okay, man, these are battle, battle-hardened guys who and gals who've had, you know, problems dealing with coming back to civilian life and and they have flashbacks and things like that we can't we can't not help them and then pretty soon it's like well you know what the veterans have had really good luck with this let's try it for people over 60 and then pretty soon it's like sons of veterans (laughs) pretty soon it's like i mentioned institutions earlier but it's the the folks would need to it would need to come from a university hospital or a medical center that's that's uh, you know part of the VA would need to administer this. So it's when you look at and this is a part of incrementalism too, Brad. When you talk about well, it's only two million dollars to start with, but it's I think it's hard to make an it's hard to make an argument. I would say, and again, I'm a right wing guy who's not a who's not a drug guy. It's hard to make an argument when you see some of the research that's come out of places like I think Johns Hopkins in the, in this piece, this is from the, the Missouri independent, by the way, that have, that have done studies on PTSD from military veterans in this type of environment using psilocybin and what the results have been, have been positive. It's decreased their symptoms. And, uh, it's hard to make an argument that you shouldn't at least try this for Missouri, for Missouri military veterans. Okay. But I've got a question for you on this now. Yeah. Let's go to over-the-counter drugs, and let's also go to prescription drugs. Sure. A lot of drugs, not all of them, a lot of drugs have their genesis in plants, correct? Right. Okay, yeah, correct. So why isn't this just being, and I say the same thing with marijuana, why isn't this just essentially being you know, brought in as a drug? Why doesn't Pfizer or somebody like that get involved in this? And, well, and I, think it's, I think it's just because there have been so many federal regulations around what, what schedule of drugs they are and what is permissible and what is not. So essentially it's the same marijuana thing where it's like, hey, we want you to have be able to have marijuana even though it's illegal federally. Right, we'll, we'll right. Tell you and, and I think there's um, – I'm in fact, I know that there's federal legislation that talks about changing the, the, the so-called scheduling of what different drugs – For exa- obviously, for example, like a – a heroin is not the same as a marijuana, which is not the same as a cocaine. I don't know enough about that, and I'm out of my depth there, frankly, when it comes to drugs. Well, you know, you need to talk to some of my old radio buddies. They can they can fill you in on all the things. <laughs> I bet they can. I bet they got you know some of that stuff that you just put on your tongue and whatever, whatever it. Does, some Brad, of these I'm guys not... and a gal or two. Some of these guys or gal or two could uh, give me the pharmacological background of. Uh, of <laughs> I bet uh, they could. There's a lot of yeah, am- amateur pharmaceutical representatives right. on hey. the streets. I'm Let's. A good source for this information, real quick, by the way, is if you go to Twitter, former or X, formerly known as Twitter, a guy named Epen Thampy is really good when it comes to hemp and marijuana and psychedelics, and he's all over this, and it's generally the source of of much of my information about this topic. Now, is he a journalist, or what is he? No, no, he's actually a lobbyist. And oh, he he's, does, a lobbyist. he's he's done lobbying for, gosh, I want to say a decade now. I'll get that wrong. Um, in the Missouri Capitol, and you know he's he has a, a really strong national network of folks in in the cannabis industry, and he's the one, Brad, who provided some helpful feedback after we did 
a bit a while back on Delta 8 products. Right, right, right. Epen was the gentleman that 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 kind of gave us a little bit more clarification on that. I bet she says I bet she has some good parties at his house, right? I you know, I bet he does. You know, I'm a, I'm a pretty square guy, so I couldn't <laughs> In some respects in my life I'm a pretty square guy, yeah, so that would, that would be one of them. So that's the number 3. By the way, what it beat out is maybe we can have a conversation about this. I do anticipate this will be in the top three in the coming weeks. But the Missouri House passed an open enrollment bill with a whole bunch of so-called safeguards for public schools, but essentially allowing folks the option to put their kids in a better neighboring school district if they so choose. I'm sure we'll talk about that in in future episodes. Does it have to be like a neighboring school, like like next boundary line over? Can it be like three school districts over? That's correct, yeah, as I, as I read this first. And the interesting thing is that the gentleman who sponsored it, who's from Sedalia, pointed out that this bill doesn't go nearly as far as proponents want, and it does too much, according to people who defend uh, – the, the educrats who would defend the current system. And, of course, you have Democratic state reps that were quoted today that talk about what we really need to talk about is how, you know, a poor school district should get as much funding for their schools as folks in Wildwood or Chesterfield or Ladue, which is a uh, pipe dream. Right. But that's the number three story. And we can get to uh, open enrollment at, at a different time. Number two, the filibuster, which has rocked the Missouri Senate for the first three weeks mercifully came to an end yesterday and it was the topic of the discussion that scott fawn from the missouri times had with a member of the freedom caucus who was denny hoskins really good interview Uh, i would suggest folks that are that are interested in this again who don't want to get a perspective from bill eigel who's been quite vocal and at times over the top denny is a more understated guy you'll get a lot less theatrics i would say from a Denny Hoskins than you would get from a Bill Eigel. You know what? You're going to Go get your, you're going to get yourself in trouble because of the fact that Bill Eigel is probably listening right now, and he just said you just called him over the top and theatrical. And you know what? He would he would thank me, and he would say <laughs> thank you, and he might put those words on his campaign literature. You never can tell. <laughs> and uh, in, a, in an analysis after after the filibuster ended, a pretty interesting analogy from Scott Fawn, who did a, a newsletter summary of the of the fallout from the filibuster. Speaking specifically of Bill Eigel and the Freedom Caucus, but Eigel specifically, he said that if you were to grade the filibuster, you would say that that legislatively and policy-wise, they got a base hit because they got they got initiative petition changes pushed through the Senate several weeks before they ordinarily would. But politically, Scott says, for Eigel, it was a home run. I mean, he's been able to to. Uh, complain about this. He was actually able to get stripped of his of his committee chairmanship, which he will use for months against Caleb Rowden and the and the so-called Republican establishment. So although legislatively it was it was just a base hit, politically it was a home run. Interesting. And the number one story is Cory Bush is under investigation from the Department of Justice for the alleged misuse of campaign funds for private security, more specifically, campaign funds for private security that go to her husband who provides her security for her. So on Monday, the U.S. House Sergeant of Arms announced that that they had received an inquiry from the Department of Justice about the use of security funds for a member of the House, a D.C. publication 
noted that it was indeed Corey Bush. The best piece on this w- it comes from, it's at the very top of my website today, it comes from Jason Rosenbaum, who did a an overview of really what the issues are here and, and some of the issues that Corey Bush has had in the past. You know, the whole Corey Bush thing is, is it's funny, I have a, a political friend of mine who texted me last night after this whole day of the Cory Bush stuff and essentially said she's gone she's history and I said no way she's never going anywhere unless she gets voted out of office because yeah nobody's gonna do anything to her you know I mean she's gonna she's gonna pull the oh and people are trying to kill me that's what she said already yeah she, her, her remember it's right-wing organizations Brad right right <laughs> the but, ones who are constantly targeting her and and harassing her but the crazy thing about this is that then it gets into the situation with her boyfriend now slash husband who doesn't have us I think in it's sort of weird in in the states vary actually municipalities vary in St. Louis County there's a, a security guard license you have to take you have to take a test and 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 drug test and stuff like that and then there's uh depending upon uh the states there's different degrees of of security guard then there's detective licenses and things like that if i'm not mistaken i think i read that her boyfriend who's now her husband who she's paying as a security person has no license anywhere and i don't i don't think he's been a cop or anything like that as well too he's just like a dude like you and me i mean you you know you and i could get a job working security for for cory bush wouldn't it be fun yeah, well, first of all, I'm not sure if Kevin Costner had was actually licensed in the movie The Bodyguard. And to be frank, you're going to kill me for this, Brad, but I've never seen the movie. But I do understand it was it was quite romantic, and Kevin Costner was some sort of bodyguard. Suppose, but yeah, I'm the, I don't I don't know what the license thing is. Back to your original point about whether or not I I think if you're a big Cory Bush fan, and you're an ardent Cory Bush fan, you could. She could pay to have her nails done and get a new wardrobe and whatever. And you would say, well, it's her money. It's her campaign money. She can do whatever she wants. But that's not the case, though, right? Isn't that illegal to use it for yeah, like, Yeah, but use? I'm saying it, it wouldn't matter to a Cory Bush supporter. Right, I don't I get think it. most Cory Bush supporters would care. And I think many of them would say, well, hey, good for her. It's not public money. It's only campaign money. Yeah, Why can't she spend but- it? But, you know, it is it's sort of quasi public money. You know what I mean? Because the money's being spent for you to promote your campaign, not for you to, you know, get your nails done. And we've had a long done. list of urban politicians in St. Louis. And these this will take you back. But you would recall, Brad, like a Casey, Casey Starr triplet was a young up and coming St. Louis city older woman. Um, who who furnished herself a brand new wardrobe and and exotic trips and vacations and, and things of that nature as I as I recall it was ten years ago but the the commingling of campaign funds with things that are that are clearly personal has gotten too many politicians both Republicans and Democrats liberals and conservatives in trouble right and and like for example. I told you the story about how I gave I, I was one of the presenters at the um, what they call candidate school yeah. uh, out in St. Charles County back in September. And one of the interesting things that came out of that was that Missouri, the Missouri, what is it, the, the, what they call the Ethics ME, Commission. Missouri is, is MEC. Mm-hmm. Is that what it is? MEC, MEC correct. Yep. MEC is super strict. I mean, there were people giving stories about how, you know, I mean, 
what I would consider to be like relatively minor situations, and they got nasty grams from the Missouri Athletic, uh, Ethics Commission. Yeah, yeah. And and, I, and I think that varies by state, but you're right. In Missouri, I think they take it pretty seriously. Right, right, right. But the interesting thing was they said, I thought this was a positive spin to this. They said that that they were the the MEC was very good at helping them. Essentially, mm-hmm. if they if they got a nasty gram, if you called them and you go, you know, I didn't really realize I did something wrong, and they would talk them through. Well, you're not supposed to do this. You're supposed to do this, 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 this. You know, send us a, a letter that how you've addressed this, and we'll essentially take care of this. And I'm yeah, talking- and, and, I agree, Brad. And sorry to interrupt, but I, I think one of the interesting things is too, if you go to the Missouri Ethics Commission, they have a really good YouTube page, which you might not expect from a government (laughs) agency, but they have a really good YouTube page where it's just step-by-step of how to shut down your campaign committee, how to file the report, how to file an extension. Like they, and I hate to say the government people really care, but I think they really care about getting it right. Well, see, that's what I was impressed about. And most of the people in this class I taught were first time candidates. I mean, they were people running for school boards and things like that. And this is just totally, you know, totally new. And it's, it's all of a sudden like walking into a new industry and all of a sudden you've got to make all these, uh, you know, uh, you've got to comply with all these laws and rules and regulations. You're like, whoa. Yeah. And most yeah. of them, most of them who are are doing this do not have the money to of you know to afford paying a a compliance. Uh, you know, in the big campaigns, it's called a compliance officer. Right. And they get paid very well. Exactly. Just to essentially look at every single thing, make sure that every little piece of down to campaign the penny. Literature- I know campaigns, and I won't. I, I'll obfuscate some details here, but I know campaigns that have refiled reports because they were off by a literal penny and their compliance guy or gal said nope you're refiling those because we're off by one cent i bet you those mec people love that oh my god they refiled because they're off by a penny we love this we love this <laughs> we, person we did our job. hey and i know we're up against time we should also mention too that the carnahan family lost gene carnahan yesterday yeah that's an interesting story as well too. wife of yeah wife of mel carnahan you know uh, we should uh, next break let's start off by talking about that because i don't think a lot of people some of the younger folks out there may not even remember that whole situation they weren't around many many people listening to this right now brad believe it or not were not alive when that whole thing happened. yeah or they were like uh, in grade school or, or they junior were kids, high or something yeah. like that right okay Thanks for checking out the Brad and John Show podcast. This segment of the show is brought to you by John Comp's book, Stalking, Harassment, Internet Trolling, A Guide to Recovering and Rebuilding After Online Attacks. It's a great reference if you've ever been the unfortunate target of a social media attack. It's available on Amazon. Just search John Combest. That's C-O-M-B-E-S-T. John Combest, and the book will show up in your search results. Now it's time for another segment of the Brad and John Show. Can you handle it? 